Wedge Issues is brought to you by WISPolitics.com, a place where political insiders go for news, opinion, and campaign information. Once again, that's WISPolitics.com. mackerel, folks. Wisconsin elected Democrat Tony Evers as governor on Tuesday in a race filled with drama, intrigue, and excitement down to the very last minute. And boy, did that last minute take us into the wee hours of Wednesday morning. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about the 2018 elections in Wisconsin. Republican Governor Scott Walker conceded the race Wednesday afternoon after Tony Evers declared victory very early Wednesday morning. And while Democrats won every partisan constitutional office, all five of them, for the first time since 1982, Republicans continue to hold strong majorities in the state legislature, setting the state of Wisconsin up for a very interesting four years to come. Joining me to talk about the election results, my election night coverage, and what we're watching going forward is Cap Times news editor Jason Joyce. Stay tuned for that conversation in just a minute, but first I want to remind you that next week, Tuesday, November 13th, we are having our first ever live recording of the Wedge Issues podcast. We will be at Brokaw Irish Pub on the Capitol Square, that's 7 West Main Street, from 7 to 8 p.m. again on Tuesday, November 13th, and I am so excited to announce that my guests are Maggie Gao, the campaign manager for Tony Evers' successful gubernatorial campaign, and Brian Reisinger, a senior advisor to the Scott Walker campaign, who played a key role role in Ron Johnson's victory in 2016. Admission is $10, but if you listen to this podcast the whole way through or even halfway through, I'll toss out a promo code for you a couple times. It'll get you in for free. So listen up for that. Uh, so there was an election this week. Allegedly. <laughs> it, we're it we're told. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jason, you're going to join me here to talk about what happened. Yes. <laughs> Things happened. It was pretty exciting. I think it would be interesting to go through a little bit of your work process on, on election night. At the Cap Times, we had several of our reporters working on various election stories. We had some reporters, um, a- Abby Becker and uh, Caitlin Farrell, actually contacted voters during the day, talked to voters about what brought them to the polls, how enthusiastic they were to vote. Uh, Abby was here in Madison and Caitlin was in uh, crucial Waukesha County. Crucial. Uh, Always crucial. And um, we had some other reporters covering some election-based things from around here, um, different races, the U.S. Senate race. And we divided the work on election night for the governor's race itself. You were here in Madison with the Evers campaign. Caitlin was in Pewaukee with the Walker campaign. And so go from there. Yeah. uh, Well, I have covered a handful of Democratic election night parties. Uh, Most recently, it was Tony Evers' primary night party, which was, I think, the first victory party I had covered in Uh my stretch of time here. Before that, I was at Russ Feingold's 2016 party. I was at Mary Burke's 2014 party. So I was starting to fear that I might be a bad luck charm for whatever campaign (laughs) election night party that I covered. Well, and and to to be clear, like we often cover the Democrats on election night because the Democrats often have their parties in Madison. That's right. And that's where we are. And that's why we do that. Yep. It's uh, it's a little easier uh, just logistically to do that. And that was the case this time although this was 
such a big race that it made sense for us to send Caitlin to Pewaukee also. But yes, uh, Tony Evers had his party at the Orpheum Theater in Madison on State Street, and it was actually a party. Yeah. Uh, people were listening to music and kind of dancing and drinking, and uh, they were optimistic. They were cheerful, energetic. A lot of people showed up, got pretty packed in there. They <laughs> had a drink special called that is interesting. The Blue Wave. <laughs> it was uh, vodka, blue curacao, and lemonade. Mm-hmm. I think right. too many of those. Did they serve you- it out of a garbage can? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's, yeah, is this a college uh, yeah. frat party? Yeah. Uh, I, saw, I asked one person who tried the Blue Wave, and she said it was not good. Right. So. So I think people, like we've now gotten to the point where thanks to the internet, people who are are just really into politics can sit at home and watch the returns come in. They can maybe even pick out their own like key counties and look at those county clerk websites and see those returns come in. Like, you know, anybody who wants to be one can be like this sort of map analyzing computer based election nerd on election night. What What's your process? What are you doing during those evening hours at this election party? So it's definitely a lot of hurry up and wait on election night. I mean, you, you start working and you pull up those maps when the polls close and you start looking and watching counties that you, you know, think might be particularly influential for one reason or another. And there's a lot of that, a lot of just clicking refresh and watching. And you're, as a reporter, unless you're sitting in the county clerk's office, you're not getting these results really any faster than uh, anyone else is. And so, you know, I think (laughs) covering a party like this where you're surrounded by people who are also trying to do this. And that was kind of the the funny thing because CNN's up on the big screen and it's national coverage, but everyone's standing there staring at their phones, trying to hit refresh on their phones and get Mm -hmm. the Wisconsin results. It's a lot of kind of trying to do math. You know, people joke when they go into journalism that they do it because there's going to be no math. There's a lot of math. Yeah. Um, So you're kind of trying to calculate these counties and figure out which ones can make the difference. Uh, And it was kind of excruciating on election night because every time you refreshed the results, a different candidate would be up by a handful of votes. Scott Walker would be up 200 votes. Two minutes later, I'd refresh the page. Tony Evers would be up 200 votes. And you'd look at the counties and think, I don't even, I don't know what's going to make the difference at this point. Well, the maddening thing is they'll give you the percentage reported and you think, well, that's the percentage of votes reported. But in fact, it's just the percentage of precincts reported. And some of those precincts have five people voting. Some of them have zero people voting. Some of them have thousands of people voting. You know, there's a big difference between precincts in in the Isthmus of Madison and precincts on the far west side of Madison that literally have like two houses in them. So yeah, trying to gauge where you are and where the votes are going to come. That's what the the situation we got into was looking at Brown County and La Crosse County, both of which were partial reports pretty Mm -hmm. late at night, wondering how many votes are left out there. Then people drilling down and saying, "Well, you're you're looking at actual neighborhoods of Green Bay that are still out." You know, it was it was amazing. It was it was truly dramatic throughout the night. It was. Everyone always says ahead of these races, it's going to be a close race till the end, but it really, really was a close race to the end. And people at this party, I mean, they they showed up because Tammy Baldwin won her race early, so Democrats in Madison weren't really hanging around that party very long. They knew what was going to happen. Um, they they started trickling into this Evers party, and then the night went on, and they started to 
trickle out and then they started to come back and i'm sure you know this is downtown madison i'm sure people probably went where the drinks were a little cheaper (laughs) (laughs) killed some time and and came back for the end but by the end of the night it was pretty full again um you know the, the the democratic primary was full of so many candidates on its own a lot of the people who ran against tony evers in the primary showed up to be there yeah. uh, in support of him on election night so you know that was interesting you had this uh, group of former walker cabinet secretaries who had worked for him and um have now endorsed Tony Evers. They were standing around. So it's just sort of like a lot of familiar faces and a lot of sort of heavy hitters, at least in the world of politics and political coverage, just hanging out like everyone else trying to figure out what's going on. So your work, like you went into the night pretty early on, uh, you sort of write what we call the shell of two stories, Walker wins, Evers wins. You've got those two stories sort of in the bank to go. And then you decided to write a third story <laughs> at some point, right? Yeah, this is it's the weirdest the part of election night coverage is when you go in and you really don't know what's going to happen and you write multiple versions of the outcomes for the night. And usually you have a yeah a, a win for one candidate or a win for the other candidate. And as the night went on, it really seemed like this wasn't going to be settled by the time the night was over. So I'd spent so much time getting my two Walker wins, Evers wins stories ready that Probably around, I don't know, what was it, 1230 or 1? I started thinking, maybe I need to write, we don't know what's going to happen. And then we found out that there were tens of thousands of ballots coming in from the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. And then it became pretty clear what was going to happen. going with the too close to call story before we learned about those ballots and then quick pivot to quick the Evers win story. And and Caitlin Farrell in, you know, Pewaukee, they sort of had the rug pulled out from under them because the candidate never showed up and never addressed the crowd and never provided us with any remarks. Rebecca Clayfish sort of stood in in Scott Walker's place and gave some very quickly prepared remarks, but that those people you know, funneled out of that party quick, and they we almost got nothing from Pewaukee. Yeah, you know, I I think at the point where Rebecca Clayfish came out and spoke, it, they were thinking either too close to call or perhaps even Walker has a slight edge, but maybe you're in recount territory. Yeah. Uh, but by the time the night was over, pretty much any way you did the math, it was pretty clear that Evers was going to be just on the outside edge of that recount margin, which, by the way, yeah. the legislature and Governor Walker just changed that margin about a year ago. This was after Jill Stein requested a recount in the 2016 presidential election. 
tons of time and resources spent on this, even though, you know, she came nowhere near winning that election. So uh, the legislature and and with Governor Walker's approval and, and urging even said, if you are a candidate requesting a recount, you have to come within 1% of the margin of the winner. And in fact, if you are outside of a certain margin within that 1%, you have to cover the costs yourself. Yeah. So with this Evers win, I mean, it's like 1.16 points of of a margin, but that's outside of this uh, threshold that Walker himself said, this is the threshold. Sure. Yeah. Now, the one of the there's many cliches when we cover elections, um, and people like to make fun of reporters for you know sort of leaning on these cliches. And one of them, of course, is like it's all going to be about turnout. It all comes down to turnout. (laughs) Whichever side turns out their voters the best is the one that's going to win. The the myth of the independent voter who they're trying to win over at the last minute, you know that that's sort of gone by the wayside. And we're learning that in fact the difference in this may very well have been that just Tony Evers turned out his voters in his strong parts of the state, Dane County, Milwaukee County, at a level higher than Hillary Clinton and Mary Burke did four years ago. Yeah, that's definitely uh, something that's emerging. And also looking at uh, some of the WOW counties, uh, Craig Gilbert at the Journal Sentinel did a look at that, which showed you know Waukesha and Ozaki in particular didn't perform for him as strongly as they have in the past. So while these are going to continue to be Republican counties, as you said, they they didn't perform for him the way that he needed them to. Yeah, and and Dane, I mean, City of Madison, ninety two percent turnout. This is insane to me. Yeah. The last thing I want to address about this governor's election is this idea, and it was brought up by several people who – Tony Evers was the front runner throughout the primary. Several people who emerged as challengers you know, went after him for his sort of lack of personality, mm-hmm. this idea that he was not going to bring the fight to Scott Walker. He would not perform well on the debate stage against Scott Walker. Nationally, this has also played out. People have said, hey, uh, you know, Democrats, um, progressives have said – we need to take a turn to the left. We need to, you know, embrace the Bernie Sanders wing of this party and we need to really offer, you know, a difference and and be vocal about it and be colorful about it. Uh, Beto O'Rourke being, you know, the best example of that on, on Tuesday night. Might it be <laughs> that Democrats' best hopes lie in a vanilla ice cream, egg McMuffin loving school teacher who thinks being involved in the Lions Club in Toma is, quote, crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about the blandness of this race, right? And you, yeah. you take one guy who is made being bland part of his persona with his ham sandwiches and his summer shandy and, <laughs> and, and generally just sort of like looking like your dad. And then you replace him with the guy who eats egg McMuffins. And like the craziest thing he does is eat ice cream for breakfast, which is pretty crazy, that is honestly. Crazy. But he looks maybe like your grandpa instead yep. of your dad. So yeah, um, I, th- I think there's something to look at here. And the races that you mentioned, you know, Beto O'Rourke, Andrew Gillum, even Stacey Abrams, like some of these races came really close, really, really close. Yeah. And I do think there's something to be said for the energy that they brought. I mean, Ted Cruz may not have had 
a challenge, you know, a, a real challenge from anyone besides someone like Better Work. True. Um, this Florida race probably would not have been as exciting as it was if not for Andrew Gillum. At the same time, in Wisconsin, yeah, this worked, uh, and it worked well. And I think a lot of voters here um, really responded positively to the Evers message of it's time for a change. And that change doesn't have to be dramatic. That change doesn't have to be um, wild and exciting and novel. That change maybe is just someone who continues to be boring, but in a different way with different (laughs) policies that align with what you're looking for. Sure. Um, A course correction more than a, a, a 180 degree uh, U-turn. Right. Now, uh, we should note, things were pretty wild at that party. Uh, the closing music was a little REO Speedwagon. I mean, you know. I think that's what the kids call lit. That, yeah. <laughs> yes, lit. Um, true. Roll with the changes was the, the theme song. Uh, yeah, I love it. Night. From taking us back to 1982 or, or thereabouts. Wedge Issues is sponsored by WISPolitics.com. You can become a WISPolitics.com member. Find out more at WISPolitics.com slash membership. So now we enter we enter a new era of Wisconsin politics, an, an era that we're, we're not familiar with because it's been a while, of divided government. We have Republicans control the legislature. Obviously, Democrat is now going to be in the, in the governor's mansion, um, the east wing of the Capitol. But before that happens, we have a lame duck, extraordinary legislative session. So what's that about? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> so before the election, uh, about a month before the election, really, uh, this came up, this idea of an extraordinary session. And it is uh, hinging on the possibility of passing an incentive package for the Kimberly Clark Corporation, paper company. They make other products as well, like Depends and um, Huggies and what have you. So located in the Fox Valley, they've got two plants that they're looking to close. Looks like they're going to close one of them for sure. But the other one that they're looking at keeping open is still about 500 jobs that could uh, be saved if they do keep it open. So this is an incentive package modeled after Foxconn. And these are real jobs that might go away if this doesn't come through. The company has shown an, an interest in accepting this deal. However, it hasn't had the political capital to get through. So this incentive package passed the assembly back in February, never went anywhere in the Senate, never even got a vote in the Senate. Uh, not clear still whether it could yeah. pass the Senate, but the deal, and, and the deal as Governor Walker put it, was Democrats won't come through and support this before the election. They won't put their names on a yes vote when they're heading into do battle on November 6th. But after that's all said and done, after the dust has settled, after we're not fighting anymore, maybe people will come together and make this happen. Sure, It's not clear if that's mm-hmm. actually the case. Uh, but all you know, all signs point to this. The session is still supposed to happen. It's supposed to be called on November twelfth. Uh, not necessarily come coming in and convening that day, but you know, could come in any time after that. It was said when the session was called that they could take up other pieces of legislation. There's nothing right. stopping them, and uh, a number of things were discussed at that point. There was talk about a bill to require the state to require insurers to cover pre-existing conditions, something that came right. up a lot during the campaign. This is another bill that passed in the assembly, didn't pass with Democratic support because there are elements of that 
bill that they disagreed with. It's it's not as strong in terms of the protection as the language included in the Affordable Care Act. Uh, again, this is something that didn't have the support to pass the Senate, so it never came through in the Senate. There was talk about the Senate coming in and taking that up this time around. Um, it didn't sound like there would be the votes for it, and now I don't know that they necessarily need to because you have Tony Evers as governor and you have Josh Call likely as attorney general. Sure. That race, as, as of now, hasn't been finalized yet, but he is ahead. Yeah. And they have said their first priority is getting the state out of this lawsuit that is seeking to overturn the Affordable Care Act, yeah. seeking to undo these protections for pre-existing conditions. So maybe that's also a priority for the legislature. Another thing that has been brought up is the dark store loophole. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a question that was on referendums throughout the state. Big box stores being able to get their properties assessed at values akin to empty uh, buildings of the same size and Some say that shifts the property tax burden to local citizens. This is something that has bipartisan support. Democrats said, if we're going to come in extraordinary session, why don't we take up the dark store loophole? Again, maybe not enough votes to pass that. The question then is, will Republicans who hold just as strong majorities as they did before the election and in the Senate, a stronger majority, will they take steps to curb the powers and the authority of the executive branch? Yes. And it sounds like... Maybe. This is based on uh, Speaker of the Assembly Robin Voss's remarks uh, made on Wednesday when he said that maybe we gave Governor Walker too much power and it's time to roll that back. Of course, had Scott Walker prevailed on Tuesday, it seems unlikely that he would have made those remarks on Wednesday. Yeah, when the governor in your party <laughs> wins, you're probably not going to step up and say, you know, I, we don't think you can do enough. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, and, and so as of the time that you and I are talking right now, Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald has signaled some interest in doing that, and he'll be talking to reporters later today, but that'll be in between the time that right. we're talking and this podcast goes out. So we'll, we'll probably have found out a little more in terms of specifics on that uh, in the near future. But a lot of things that they would do to limit those powers would probably be tied more to constitutional changes, which would be a heavier lift and take more time and and thought and buy-in. But there are absolutely ways that they could chip away at that. They certainly have the votes to do it. Mm -hmm. And at this point, they have a governor who could say, I am going to take those powers away for myself because I'm not going to be around here much longer. Right. Yeah, this made a little bit of – I mean, Wednesday was a chaotic day nationally in in the news world. But this is something that sort of was picked up by reporters around the country as saying, hey, now, let's keep an eye on Wisconsin here. They're shifting some powers around up there before a Democrat takes control. Let's let's keep an eye on it. So we can imagine that this will get some attention here in the next few weeks. It will. I mean, I think everyone points back to North Carolina that – happened there not too long ago that people still reference that and talk about that. But looking sort of down the line beyond these first few weeks when uh, when Governor Walker is still in office, once Tony Evers takes that office, and he is he's said so far um, every everything that he has said has been about finding ways to work with Speaker Voss and Majority Leader Fitzgerald. And Speaker Voss, before he talked about taking some powers and, and rolling them back, said we will look for ways to work with him mm-hmm. um, but you know what's interesting I think about this particular form of split government is often in Wisconsin history when we've had split government there's been at least one chamber of the legislature that is of the same party as the governor so there's some place for the governor to uh, get some buy-in in the legislature and accomplish some of 
the, the goals from the executive branch, but this is a hard split between the legislative and executive branches. And uh, I think it's going to be difficult for Tony Evers to um, get a lot of his uh, initiatives through without building some creative coalitions. And it, it'll be a challenge and, and probably a lesson in finding ways to reach across the aisle. We do believe that education is is one of those issues that definitely you've seen uh, Republicans paying attention to the polling and their constituents who are concerned about education funding. I mean, we even saw, you know, Scott Walker change his tune on education during the campaign. Um, so perhaps that's one of those areas, especially when it comes to budgeting, where there there is room to uh, to collaborate between the two parties. Yeah, I think so. I think um, the, the writing's on the wall in the state, people want more money going into schools. They want to stop going to referendum, probably, yeah. and um, see things change, probably, at, at a greater level. Uh, I think healthcare is another area where, at least in theory, people agree on the end goal of what they want, um, but there may be some hiccups in how you, you get to that. And then transportation is one of those areas where there is some bipartisan agreement on what should be done there. And particularly in the assembly, you saw Republican legislators who were willing to do things like look at a gas tax increase or, or look at tolling or look at uh, even vehicle registration fee increases. You, you saw some willingness to raise revenue from the assembly Republicans in a way that Democrats were interested in working with them on. But um, that got railroaded in the Senate a little bit. Um, I think you know that's Something we heard from Tony Evers on the campaign trail was anything's on the table. He saw that as a priority in terms of bipartisan negotiation. He said people want a bipartisan win, and I think this is a spot where we can get it. The flip side of that is when you look at polling, voters don't really want to pay more for roads, even if they want them to improve. Yeah. Always, right? Always. <laughs> Not in my backyard. Right. Not with my tax money. The the exchange of uh, of a Republican governor into a transition into a Democratic governor will provide many, I'm sure, uh, opportunities to discuss state government over the next couple of months, along with this extraordinary session. Looking forward to sort of teasing out some of these issues on the live podcast next week. That's right. And I am so looking forward to this. We knew it was going to be an interesting conversation no matter what happened, but given the drama and intrigue around the closeness of this election, which, you know, someone tried to argue with me on Twitter yesterday that this was not a razor thin election. I, I don't know how you <laughs> make that case. How many votes do you want? Like <laughs> one? I mean, so, so I'm going to go ahead and say this yeah. was a razor thin race. It, it came down to the wire. All the cliches that you want to roll out here. Right. Everything you apply. want, really. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to have a senior advisor to Scott Walker's campaign, Brian Reisinger, who was also a key player in Ron Johnson's win in 2016. Yep. And we'll have Maggie Gao, who shepherded Tony Evers' campaign through the primary uh, as his campaign manager, shepherded him through to this win and has a history working in the state legislature, a history working back on Obama campaigns. The two of them both have an impressive record here in Wisconsin, and I know they're going to have great thoughts to to share with our audience. They've been great sources for me over the years, and I think they will provide a respectful but lively conversation, right. and I know they will be happy to take questions from respectful, lively audience members. Um, it's going to be upstairs at Brokaw on the Capitol Square. On the West Main Street... Yeah. Side of the Capitol Square, Brokaw Irish Pub. You can get a Guinness. You can 
You can Settle have a in. Wisconsin beer that's or not a Guinness. Or a Wisconsin beer, I guess. Um, yeah, fine. <laughs> to, in keeping with the theme of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, from seven I'm to- not running for office. I'm going to have a Guinness. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a true Wisconsin patriot, so okay. I'll probably have like a carbon four. Oh, but, boy. You know. Uh, 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, it's $10 to get in, but listeners of this podcast who are listening at this moment can use the code WEDGE2018 at wedgeissues.eventbrite.com. That's event, B-R-I-T-E.com. Oh, it's, it's on Tuesday. Tuesday night. It's Tuesday night. Hopefully we'll be rested and uh, caffeinated appropriately by then <laughs> to make it through the night. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. I mean, uh, Brian and Maggie both literally are people who spent every day for the length of this campaign. I don't think that's an exaggeration to say every day they spent with those candidates. They know this race inside and out better than anyone. And and we're not overselling that. These are the people to have in the room when you want to talk about how the campaign worked. And they're they're both pretty, you know, open and chatty. So yeah, very, very forthright. I think they're going to be they're going to give an honest and thoughtful assessment of what their campaigns did well, what went wrong, what was inevitable in terms of the dynamics of the state. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having that conversation, hoping we get a good turnout to make it a lively one. And you can see how the podcast is made, which is super Super fascinating. Yeah, and it'll be in a much more interesting room than the one that we're sitting in right now. Right. Plus beer. Looking forward to it. It'll be great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. Now, when we started this crazy podcast adventure, I told people I would keep it going through the election and see what happened after that. And you know what? I'm really having fun with it. So we're going to keep this thing up with new episodes out every Friday. So please make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. If you have any feedback or suggestions for me, you can find me on Twitter at Jesse Opie, J-E-S-S-I-E-O-P-I-E, or you can email me at J-O-P-O-I-E-N at Madison.com. I really hope to see you all at our live podcast recording. Again, that's Tuesday, November 13th at Broca Irish Pub, 7 West Main Street on the Capitol Square from 7 to 8 p.m. We will have light snacks and a cash bar. Our guests are Evers campaign manager Maggie Gow and Walker senior advisor Brian Reisinger. Admission is $10 for those not in the know, but since you're listening to this podcast, I'd like to let you in for free. You can enter the promo code WEDGE2018. That's WEDGE2018 at wedgeissues.eventbrite.com, wedgeissues.eventbrite.com. I hope to see you on Tuesday. Wedge Issues has been brought to you by wispolitics.com. There are plenty of benefits to becoming a member. You can go to wispolitics.com membership to find out more.
Wedge Issues is brought to you by Wispolitics.com, a place where political insiders go for news, opinion, and campaign information. Once again, that's Wispolitics.com. Wedge Issues has been brought to you by wispolitics.com. There are plenty of benefits to becoming a member. You can go to wispolitics.com slash membership to find out more.